This is the Death Tour Metal Podcast. We are here to momentarily distract you from the inevitability of your mortality or or make you embrace it after listening to us talk for about an hour. I am Gary Grimm. And I'm Tane, and and we are here to to fill the empty void of, of your ho-hum lives. Just like uh, uh, I lost it. I know uh, it's weird thread. because we we don't have uh, we don't have Jez here to to fill in empty holes. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what I was going for. It's going to make a joke about your mom, and then Jez wasn't here to bounce it off. I know, right? So, There's so no one, dear listener, sweet, gentle, baby-faced listener. We are down a co-host uh, for this episode. It's just Tane and I. It's just like the old days. Yeah. It, it, classic, it, classic Death to Over Metal. I was going to say, it was a very old school uh, intro, actually, like the early days. When I know. I wanted to bring it back yeah, for a Yeah, I know. Bit. We're trying to trick the listeners into into thinking <laughs> that there's nothing better to do than to listen to us. And yeah, maybe they'll start, they'll start listening again. Yeah. Because the yeah. last few episodes, oh boy. Uh, anyway. it's, honestly, that, that's on us and our content. Content, but it, uh, it is. <laughs> but, but speaking of the last few episodes, and speaking of this episode, unlike the last few episodes, this is going to be a more just straight ahead, uh, regular old episode of the podcast. No, no self indulgent, over involved, uh, hard to follow scripts written by me for this one. Yeah, not, nothing where there's like a, a mysterious wanderer called Grim, like. Uh, like blazing through the mountains on a on an epic quest. Nothing like that. Although, uh, while we're here, I forgot to mention uh, there's a bomb in the room. Oh, what? What? That. that could, right, try to remain calm. There's a bomb in the room, and if we don't headbang past a certain speed uh, for the the entire episode, it's good. wait. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh my god. No, uh, you were freaking the freaking the shit out of me that no, no no that sounds like a convoluted storyline we're not going to do that this episode it, it, it reminds me of something as uh, there was a really famous film in the 90s was it called the the bus that couldn't slow down i think or? it was um speed Two cruise control you're thinking of. oh yeah. sorry you're right the you're most right. popular of that franchise yeah anyway <laughs> so we're here to just talk about metal mainly uh we've got some excellent guests coming up in the episode We've got we're bringing back Death Tour about facts. Yep, it's yep. been it's been a few episodes since we've had that, but we've got a we've got some facts for yeah, your ears. We believe in education. It's you know, education is the key. It is. I don't know what it's the key to, but uh, probably being bashed for being uncool in school for any of our younger listeners. I'm so having, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's uh, let's just dive into new releases, shall we? Yeah, true, true. Because we um, we've, we've actually got a bit to catch up on, don't we? Exactly, and we've got we've got way too much show to to be to be fanning about. Yeah. So let's uh, dive into it. So we're gonna we're gonna cover July and August in this episode. So yeah there's a there's quite a bit we realized that the timing of the releases has kind of meant that we're we're covering the tail end of one month and and then sort of a whole other month 
So uh, there, there is a bit to get through, but uh, Gary, would you uh, like to do you start? Want, do you want me to kick us off? I'll, I'll kick us off with uh, July. We talked last episode about the new Immortal album. Yes. And the new Deaf Heaven album, mm-hmm. uh, which were both notable. Yep. Uh, so I'm not going to spend too much time on J- July, but there were a couple of releases I wanted to mention. The first of which is a little i believe they're german german band called obscura oh yeah yeah they released an album called diluvium and um the thing i like about uh, obscura is they're like a tech death band uh they're very proggy very Mm. tech uh but they seem to have a bit more personality than those tech death bands that just come in and play at a million miles an hour like we're supposed to be headbanging to stop the bomb from going. Yeah, up, sorry, up, 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 up. Yep. sorry. No, uh, they've they've got a bit more personality. They seem to have a bit more fun with what they're doing, even mm. though they are still incredibly technical and really excellent musicians. I kind of really enjoy that about them, and uh, this new album Diluvium is uh, no exception. Yeah, I, I always really like Obscure in the sense like. You know, talking about a lot of tech death stuff, I always think of them more as a kind of like a bit more human and a bit more fun. Like they've got that animals as leaders vibe with, without being boring. So <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I kind of see where you're getting at. I've seen animals as leaders live, and they were fucking excellent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I like the band a lot, but like if you're sitting down listening to a whole album, it's like I, I find Obscura maybe a little more uppy, strangely. Sure. Anyway, Obscura, Diluvium, mm-hmm, check that mm-hmm. out. Uh, that's on our uh, Death Tour But Metal July uh, new release playlist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put up links to our playlist so you can find it. Or just search for Death Tour But Metal on Spotify, you'll find us, and there should be a list of all our playlists on there. Yeah, there's uh, quite the little catalogue now. Mm. Mm. Uh, there are seven playlists now, so yeah, it's been going for a while. Uh, the other release I wanted to talk about from July is, um, Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. He released a solo album called For the Love of Metal. Yeah, that was kind of unexpected, actually. Uh, well, I'd seen a little bit of him recording it on his Instagram, and I saw him laying down some vocal tracks, and I was like, damn, like, he's really making a comeback, and, you know, this album isn't reinventing the wheel and uh, you know it's it can be a little bit clean sometimes i kind of want just a little bit of that kind of dirtiness to it yeah at times yeah. but overall excellent collection of music and it's cool to hear d snyder doing something kind of heavy yeah once well it's kind of uh we've also got his uh spoken and screamed uh, tour coming up in Australia as well in uh, Sydney I don't yeah. want to I don't want to advertise it because I want to get tickets before they sell out <laughs> so don't check out the hardline media <laughs> links <laughs> don't, don't I will put the, the links there but don't click on them <laughs> uh, team what have you got for July um, I've, I've got a bit I've had a bit of a weird time because I think we mentioned at the end of last uh, episode I was in Japan for a bit so I missed out on some listing, but I did some at the start of the month and I also found some stuff from July as well. And so the first thing I want to talk about was an album that I found in Japan, uh, a band from Osaka called Black Lab, who are a two-piece, um, who of something really 
unexpected in in modern doom with their album under a strawberry moon 2.0 i don't know why it's called that it's just japanese and it's a bit weird sure but um it was great because it uh as i was saying to you briefly before we started recording gary i mean there's there's a lot of modern doom that just kind of is some very boring riffs and like it's more about the mix and 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 the vibe and that's it and i think black lab really kind of shift away from that quite dramatically uh and there are parts that make me think of dawn like sydney band dawn as well mm-hmm. not just because of the uh female doom band aspect they explore that a little bit but then they really sort of like like crank it up as far as speed is concerned and riffage and it really sort of rocks along so i enjoyed that quite a lot uh also um Speaking of, uh, well, female-fronted bands, Lucifer released Lucifer 2 as oh, well yeah, at the start I, of month. I, I dig that. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a pretty cool album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really liked the first release. Very uh, very kind of old-school, rocky kind of sound with a doomy vibe to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, um, again, it's, um, you know, they really bring the riffs a little bit more, I think. I think they intensified their sound a bit since the first album. Sure. Um, so I enjoyed that quite a bit as well, and uh, then there was also Yawning Man, uh, who released the Revolt Against Tired Noises. Look, uh, I don't like talking about stuff uh, negatively uh, when I'm on the podcast. <laughs> uh, many times you'll hear my my absolute silence while Tane is talking about things, uh, new releases, uh, because I'm not into them. But I gotta say that Yawning Man album is a case of you are what you're listening to, <laughs> uh, because I thought that was fucking boring. Yeah, uh, so I listen know it's up, totally not your thing. Decide for yourself. Go check it out and tell me I'm wrong, or tell Tane to go jam his non-metal tomfoolery. Where the sun don't shine. Well, listener, if you want to vote, uh, you can text in to uh, BMD bag if you agree with Gary, or if you want to, if you want to agree with Payne, uh, just uh, text in uh, Bonglord sixty nine. And I thought uh, it was um, the big dick power. Uh, oh, oh yeah, big chip power and uh, <laughs> small chips equal big dicks. That was the. Uh, uh, that, that was a joke from before we started recording. Yes, but uh, but also, uh, if you want to text in about big dicks or small chips, please uh, text in to... Hey, <laughs> I've, I've received uh, weirder uh, texts from our listeners. Yeah. So... Jokes anyway. Jokes listeners. Gary doesn't ever get any texts. So. That, that's right. It's <laughs> like someone just interact with me like a human being um <laughs> august though august august, august though <laughs> t-h-o august though, right uh moving on to august uh fucking doro oh yeah I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend heaps of time because i've got a few releases to uh talk about uh for august but I just want to mention the doro double album that came out uh forever warriors uh, forever united get getting a lot of negative press and i just uh really yeah huh. well i mean i've read uh, some good reviews mm. and i read a lot of like lukewarm uh, to really quite negative putting it down kind of stuff and like i totally get that some people aren't gonna dig it mm. if, if i'm gonna mention some negative qualities sometimes the the songs are a little repetitive it's like they had an idea for a chorus 
Right, right. And then they just kind of continue that over and over again. And um, Dora repeating choruses quite a hey, lot. Come on, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, they're good choruses. That's the thing. I, I'd say with that kind of stuff, it could have been one album. And that often gets said about uh, double albums. Totally, totally. But there is a lot of good stuff in there. It's just a lot of fun. And she talks, she talks about metal a lot. And I love self-referential metal songs. Her voice is still fucking incredible. Uh, her band is super tight. Uh, she did an excellent song about Lemmy called uh, Live Life to the Fullest. She did a cover of uh, Motorhead's uh, Lost in the Ozone from the Bastards album, uh, which is fucking excellent. That's really cool. I didn't uh, realize that, actually. There's heaps of cool stuff in there. Uh, even if you, you get the album and just whittle it down to your favorite tracks, that's cool, too. I didn't even, I'm not usually a, a ballad person, a metal ballad person, but I dig the ballads on this uh, album, uh, most of them. I think it's worth checking out with an open mind and just not expecting the fucking grand concept album. It's it's Doro fucking singing about metal and being unlucky in love and <laughs> and Lemmy. Like, it's, it's what more do you want? Doro. It's totally Doro being totally Doro. fucking awesome German metalhead. That's that's all you need, right? Yeah. It's fucking excellent, so check that out. That's Forever Warriors, Forever United. Sorry, I went on a little yeah, bit about a, that one. You're a total pesh head. <laughs> <laughs> I have been called worse. Yeah. Uh, Chapel of Abhorrence is the name of an album released by Carnation, who are a death metal band. I'm pretty sure they're out of the States, but I could be wrong. I should have done my research. <laughs> Didn't, but I should have. They're called Carnation. Uh, I believe they released this album on Season of Mist again. Didn't do my research. It's okay. No one will ever hear you. It's not like it's being recorded. Or, uh, oh, oh shit! Shit! shit. Uh, it's kind of, kind of cleanly produced um, death metal stuff, but some excellent riffage on there. Some real heaviness in there. Vocalist is fucking excellent on that album. So check out Carnation. That was Chapel of Abhorrence is the name of the album. Uh, what else did I want to talk about from August? Oh, uh, we did also, of course, have Rebel Wizard's new one as well. Ah, yes. Rebel Wizard. Now, <laughs> the album is actually Voluptuous Worship of Rapture and Response. Uh, and that's out through Prosthetic Records again as well. It's awesome to see uh rebel wizard uh, yes, young Bob, uh, the, new, with them. the new wave of uh, negative metal uh i mean we talked about this album last episode we're talking about it again it's fucking excellent why don't you have it yet if you do have it then you're fucking great again please don't order it until we have already ordered a copy <laughs> though as well this is uh this is uh showing our true deadbeat westy metalhead roots in the sense that we haven't actually got our copy yet, but fuck, it is an amazing album. It's really top notch. It is. Bob sent me a uh, like a digital copy uh, before it came out, so I could hear it. Uh, so it's excellent. But I don't have the physical copy yet, but it, it's gonna happen. Yeah. And then uh, if you get it, you too can be drunk on the wisdom of unicorn semen, which is just an excellent sample of excellent uh, track title. Excellent track title. Excellent track though as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Rebel Wizard. Of course it's going to be fucking excellent. Go get it. <laughs> uh, last uh, band for August. Oh, no, two two more. Mm-hmm. And then I'll pass it back over to you, Teen. All good, all good. Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Gourmand? Gourmand? Gourmand. I don't know. I, I haven't even seen it written, but that sounds convincing. So uh, Blossoming from the Grave is the name of their album. Uh, kind of weird, proggy, deathy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No real, not a heap of black metal for me over the last couple of months. It's all been interesting, techy stuff or or deathy stuff mm. or or traditional kind of old school stuff. So well, you were saying it was a bit a uh, bit slow on the releases for a lot of bands in August as well until the latter half so uh, we're, we're kind of catching up on a lot of stuff that all came out all at once I'm, I'm finding definitely so totally. and and the last thing I want to mention uh, it's not on Spotify but it is contender for album of the year definitely for me wow. uh, it is a uh, convulsing oh yeah uh, the album is called grievous it's uh, it's a project from Sydney Australia uh, Brendan from uh, Dumb, Dumb Saint, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Sloan. Fuck, what an album. Puts me in mind a little bit of uh, of um, Ulcerate from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, good point, actually. And it was kind of um, unexpected, this one, wasn't it? Like, it was... Kind of, yeah, well, yeah, he kind of dropped it without, a, without a, any... Warning or fanfare? Yeah, and oh well, definitely fanfare. Definitely been, fanfare now. Yeah, it's yeah. been on top of the Bandcamp uh, charts for however many weeks, mm. and um, it was all over my Facebook feed. If that counts for anything, sure. Uh, fucking excellent album. Just go find it, get it. He has a uh, pay what you like on Bandcamp for this album, so. You know, if you're strapped for cash and you can only afford one album this month, then that's the one to go get. Mm. Convulsing, Grievous. Yeah, I was uh, late to listening to it. You, you sent it to me straight away when you heard it, and uh, fuck, it's stunning. He is a talented fellow, Mr. Sloan. But, uh, Indeed. So yeah. what, what have you got for August for us? <clears throat> well, like I said, I was away for quite a bit of it, so I don't have uh, heaps that's good the, we've got a lot of show to get to that's so. true that's true um i just wanted to name check a couple of things that i uh really enjoyed and namely uh there was unearthly trance uh who uh sorry it was primitive man uh releasing a split with unearthly trance this unearthly trance band i had never fucking heard of them um and they've been around since 2000 they're from new york they've got two ex-members of thraldom uh, who I was also kind of unaware of, but if you've heard Thraldom, I mean, it's fucking 18 years old now, so... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some listeners have heard these guys and I'm just exposing myself <laughs> as a total hack, but I really, it's really It's bound enjoyed. to happen to both of us uh, in the course of recording this podcast for, uh, <laughs> what, over two years now? So. Amateur metal journalism sounding hackish? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Metal Sucks accepted my application. So. Oh, I'm still waiting to hear back uh, from uh, from Rosen- Rosenberg. But, uh, <laughs> oh, shots fired. To yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's a great split. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, there was also an album from Zevius uh, called Lowlands. They're another New York band. 
That was like a really sort of creepy, obtuse instrumental project. Mm. Um, I think I put them on the... Playlist. Yeah, you, you already put them on the playlist. That's how I actually heard them, because I was doing ah, a bit okay. of catching up last <laughs> week, and it's like, Gary would have already covered a lot of stuff that I, I'm probably going to like anyway. Um, but yeah, those guys really stuck out for me as well. Um, but uh, the other two things that I really wanted to just name check, speaking about Lemmy references, oh, yeah. not releases uh, for this uh, month, but in particular, uh, we did get the sneak peek at the title track of High on Fire's new album, Electric Messiah. Oh. And that is, Electric Messiah is actually a reference to Lemmy as well, the, the title track is all about him. So we got to hear that uh, while I was overseas, he sent it to me. That was pretty sweet. But that's not out till next month, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's next month or October, perhaps? Yeah, it might be October, actually, as well. And uh, the other little bit we got to hear was um, Behemoth's new single, God Equals Dog. Yeah. But, uh, it didn't like it. It's alright. I mean, it's, it's more Behemoth. It's, like, it's not the worst thing I've heard. Uh, could have done with the choir at, without the choir at the end, maybe. But that's just a small quibble. <laughs> uh, look, it was fine. I, I, I never say no to a Behemoth album. Like, I maybe don't follow them quite as closely as I used to. Like, Just I probably haven't since, like, Evangelion, honestly. Sure. Uh, track title and album title just weren't grabbing me immediately, I guess. Uh, true, true. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm always keen to check it out. Oh, I'll definitely check it out when it comes out. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bag them out. They're, they're still a fucking excellent band, especially live. They're still excellent. So, you know, I'm giving it the better of the doubt. It's funny. It's like, a, it always reminds me, I think Behemoth is uh, slowly becoming one of those bands like, uh, like Tool, where they have fans that bag them out over time when there's like a space between a release and then the album comes out and everyone's like oh no no i was saying it was going to be fucking fantastic because it's really fantastic you can hear it and it's amazing and i'm going to talk about this for the next two years i think we've all been guilty of that <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally totally uh yeah no i'm uh, i'm not discounting myself from from any of that yeah but... i did i was just talking about that Dora album too <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's all for new releases yeah did that's... you have anything else no, no no um i i think there's um there's definitely a lot of things that are coming out imminently Listeners. like next month that i'm very oh yeah for. yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah we'll get to that you gotta listen to another episode for that but, but for right now you've got plenty to go check out so what do you do and listen to us fucking crap on uh if you do stay and listen to us crap on though <laughs> we've got some facts for you death to all the facts a recent study has shown that death and black metal bands can stop using the word hecatomb in their song and album titles because, like, we get it. It's been done. Joining us now on the Death Tour by Metal podcast, we have two members of one of the mightiest bands in Sydney, believe it or not. It's a band called Reva. No, there's no one oh, else here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to jump about, out. Let's talk about you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got uh, Zach and Phil from Reva. How's it going, hey. guys? 
Guys, how's it going? Not bad, man. Not bad. Excellent to have you back on the show. It's yeah. been a long time. We were saying uh, about pleasure. a year and a half. Yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a long time. We've all got uh, different haircuts now. Uh, <laughs> my hair's a bit straight. Yeah, some of us still haven't had haircuts. Gary's had enough haircuts for all of us. Yeah, that's it. I believe it was episode eleven was the last one oh, you were on. Yeah, and what, what episode is this? This 29. is uh, twenty-nine. Shit. So it's actually bang on. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Speaking Fuck. of banging on, let's bang on about what's been happening with uh, Reva. Yeah, so last time we spoke to you guys, uh, well, you still had Josh in the band as well on lead vocals. Yeah. And that yeah. time, uh, Zach, we've seen you take over that, uh, yep. step away from the guitar. Yeah, it's been a bit sad, but uh, I've got used to the vocalist role now, so <laughs> having yeah. a bit of fun with it. <laughs> let's, let's take it back to the beginning because uh last time i realized i was listening to your last appearance on the podcast and i realized that we didn't really talk much about you guys we talked about metallica yeah <laughs> that's yeah. true yeah that's yeah. right well to be fair we were all pretty drunk last yeah, yeah. time <laughs> we did well to keep on any subject <laughs> so how did it all start um well to be completely honest it all started in phil's backyard about four years ago or something like that yeah for close to it and um yeah we were just sitting around and we're like you know what let's try and write a grindcore album in a week yeah just, just for laughs we were just gonna write something horrible and see what happened but. and um yeah I, I met up with a, another friend i used to play in a metalcore band with he was a bass player I started writing some stuff down and we realized we started to have a, a more thrashy sound, a different kind of sound, so we just stuck with it and went. Yeah, it turned out not so horrible. <laughs> so, starting off as almost anal cunt, but ending up as uh, something far more Yeah, or, Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Back, back then, I think we would call ourselves Blaze. Oh, yeah, I mean, I always, which yeah. will uh, leave yeah. it up to the imagination why it's called yeah. Blaze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't, can't quite imagine where that might have come from. Yeah, let me think. Let's uh, just say uh, hours of deliberation. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we went through a couple of names from there. We used to um jam on a cliff out in Menai. We used to just take a generator and the drum kit out on four-wheel drive and set up on a cliff. And one night we were playing out there. Oh, the geez, the cops heard about yeah, uh, yeah. you blazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. blazing up on a cliff. Bloody Petersham, say blazing once a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that's awesome. I never actually knew that. You started on, on a fucking cliff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just uh, the three of us at the start before um, before Daniel actually even joined it. We, we did a few gigs uh, out there with a few friends. <laughs> we call them gigs more like people that. yelling across the river telling us to shut up. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to have one crowd yelling at you before you can have another, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and yeah. what were you guys called then? Um, we called ourselves Supermoon. We actually were yeah, jamming yes, the night the Supermoon right. came up. <laughs> and nice. it was right above us when we were writing, I think... I think it was actually losing game we were writing at that time. Yeah, no, it would have it been because I couldn't was, play it. Yeah, you couldn't play it. That's, <laughs> right. yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it was called um, Caught in a Dream at that time. Yeah. Now, yeah. Zach, can Phil play it now? Um, well, it depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah, we, we tell people that I can. <laughs> I mean, come see a live show. You, I tell people. I can. You can see that he can't fix <laughs> it. <laughs> right, so Supermoon. Yeah, then, so... How, how many more name changes to, until you got to Reva from from there, do you reckon? Um, I think it was basic ecstasy after Supermoon because I bought the other half of my drum kit. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. So 
we ended up getting Danny in maybe two weeks after we decided to be Supermoon, mm-hmm. and Phil here only had a single base kick, and you know that wasn't metal enough for Phil, so he yeah. had to get fifty dollars worth of another kit to put onto it. Yeah, so all up, I paid about a hundred bucks for this absolute Frankenstein of a drum kit. <laughs> but uh, it was the one kick said uh, basics systems or something on it, or basics percussion, some bullshit like that. And then the other one said ecstasy systems. So we're ah. like, fuck, that's got a bit of a ring to it, I guess. So basic ecstasy grew from your Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically. We thought it'd be a good idea until yeah. I... Yeah, a lot of people told us it really wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, is how you learn, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the turning point, actually, is a fun fact here, is the, the exact moment we decided we needed to change the name was when Wayne Campbell approached us at the stag and banged his fist on the table and demanded we change the fucking name. <laughs> it just wasn't working. And we looked at each other like, well, I we guess we're going to have to do it now. Yeah, that's uh, shit. So how, how did you guys reach Reva? Well, um, that was me and Josh, actually. Yeah. We, we were talking about possible sort of replacements for, for the name, and he'd come up with Repriva. And we thought, you know, it's a, it's a good name, but it was a bit long. Mm, mm. And it was like, yeah, it's got that ring to it. And I was like, what about Reva? Yeah. Because I used to play, um, oh, what was, the, what was the game called? Soul Reva 2. Oh. When, I, when I was a kid. And I was like, fuck, Reva, yeah, it's got a really cool name to it. Ha, ah, shit. And, I never yeah. actually knew that. That's fucking awesome. And then, like, we looked up the meaning of the word, and that means to, like, take by force and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, fuck, that, that's us. And um, me, being a, me being a massive Firefly fan, I was set with Reeves. Yeah. 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 Like when they yeah. came to me, I was like, no worries, all good guys, I can do that. Disclaimer, I only watched Firefly about three weeks ago now. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. Safe there. <laughs> I love how much of a, uh, a theme uh, is kind of throughout definitely the greenery and the, the kind of, uh, I guess, nerd culture stuff coming through and a lot of the stoner stuff coming through. But as soon as you actually listen to you guys, I kind of didn't expect it when I first heard it. But you, I mean, yeah, you've been thrashed for for a very long time. It's very yeah. old Supermoon days or uh, pre, uh, yeah. what was it, <laughs> the anal cunt band? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever we were going to call that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't even have a name for that, so it's horrible. <laughs> uh, well, it's expanding on, on that, uh, is definitely a thrash band at your core, but I def- there are definitely more influences in there. Can, do you want to talk about some of your influence? Look, I'm sorry for starting the interview with the two most basic questions. <laughs> How did you get your name and what are your influences? Well, right. people, but here we can, are. People can watch this video and then they'll stop asking us. <laughs> We're providing a service. That's it. That's, that's it. So um, let them have it. What? I... It's kind of really hard to say. We've all got a, a really, really diverse mix in yeah. the band. Like, um, on a day-to-day basis, Daniel's more of a blues guy. He'll sit at home and listen to a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan, stuff like that, where he's really jamming it. Where, like, Phil, he could wake up one morning and blast black metal through my garage till I wake <laughs> up, or the next morning he's out there listening to Waylon Jennings or yeah. something like that. <laughs> and, you know, between me, I'm like an old-school trad fan. I, I love my Dio stuff like that. Nice. Brought up with my dad. But I'm a pop-punk guy as well. I like metalcore and stuff like that. So that's where we get a bit of our um, new-age sound to our thrash, I guess, would be the biggest thing yeah. I wasn't actually a thrash guy just so all of you know I got forced to do this yeah I yeah. wanted to be a metal <laughs> we, we literally we push him into the corner and said you're gonna fucking do it yeah, yeah. so 
blink <laughs> blink twice if you're here against your will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Force the Thrash does sound like a great song. Type, <laughs> Somewhere down the track, it might be out. Hey. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, someone's got to sell, right? <laughs> oh, and we left Curtis out. Sorry, Curtis is a massive gent and like prog fan as well. So that adds a like weird time signature type stuff to our music we're, sure a new element but you're gonna have to listen to the new stuff we write to hear all that because yeah. that's where yeah. Curtis is at sure. <laughs> sure. speaking of new stuff and speaking of things that uh, that are finally getting out there and being released congratulations on the new EP thank, thank you, you so much it's been a while taking a long time for us to get this out <laughs> a yeah. lot of people have been waiting <laughs> yeah, it's been sitting around for almost a year now yeah it's been brilliant. sitting around since November <laughs> yeah. wow yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been a while we've been pretty out of money lately so yeah oh no that's uh that's a common theme amongst bands getting stuff together like this obviously yeah, well, but, yeah uh, but hey fuck it's not stopping us man like. yeah but I mean obviously you did spend money on it the production sounds great and something yeah. I've been really wanting to ask is where did you guys actually record like I, I, just, just to further on that like usually when uh, you know usually like uh, like a young band like you guys are are quite young compared to us old fucks <laughs> but uh usually you know the first ep or the first demo or whatever it sounds rough as guts i put your ep on and holy shit fucking i was like this sounds like you guys have been playing for years and years oh, you know? well they kind of have oh, I guess. We, yeah, we have. <laughs> but, but for That's a first ep yeah. But, yeah there we are but, but you know in the studio like you you knew like it was super professional and i was just like wow this is excellent well we we do have to thank um so for starters it was dragon's den studio that did the recording for us yeah. uh adric with us Beer Point Productions. Yeah, I'm sorry if I got Clary wrong, helping us out there. Shout out to those guys. Um, Whereabouts is that? That's up in Penrith. All right. We actually won a band comp out there for them in October or something last year. That's how we earned <laughs> our recording. Obviously, again, we can't afford things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we um, we won that. We got a day of record. Uh, sorry, two days of recording and a day of mastering. And yeah, we basically busted ass those two days to try and get yeah. as much as we could yeah, out if you'd have been there you would have seen how unprofessional it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's all the, yeah. the secret no, is yeah. never telling anyone like in an interview or oh, oh shit oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey no it was good fun being unprofessional and you know yeah, no, it was <laughs> learning things it was learning definitely things. a good learning curve for us yeah. and uh, uh, it took us it took us a step further with where we knew we were. We knew we could start to reach out to further places because we've now taken another step in the scene. And yeah, it's it's really made a change for the whole band. I, I really feel like like for the other boys in the band, they've all matured heaps and uh, they turn up to shows sometimes. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's been really good. Like that whole thing with Adric and, and um, Clary is helped us out matured us heaps and yeah. got our head straight for the, the new year and obviously this year's been a big year for us we've done a lot of things around where we got Steel Assassins coming up in November uh, yeah. which is yeah, a, a massive thing massive for, us. for us quick little plug the yeah. <laughs> for the big Balfour yeah, yeah. for Mr Balfour yeah. thanks again man um, he's probably busy at the yeah moment. he's probably busy <laughs> but he'll come back to it I know he's good yeah. for it <laughs> Fuck, so, but speaking of as well, so I mean, we've got Steel Assassins coming up, you've now got something that's uh, going to be excellent to be able to kind of secure more shows, uh, and I know we, we spoke very briefly, but um, there's been uh, talk about the guys with Wartooth, maybe heading up north? Yeah, yeah. so um, as, as I said earlier, yeah, we've had a, 
a little little conversation with some boys from Wartooth and trying to organise them some for the. I think it's March next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so early next year. Sometime. Early next year sometime. We won't give you any promises yeah, so you're not upset. <laughs> yeah. But the idea is going up to Brisbane, maybe yeah. playing yeah. along the way. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. going up to Brisbane. Hopefully maybe try and get a Newcastle slot in on the way and whatever else we can yeah. find, really. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys played in the state much or will this be your first kind of round of um, shows outside of Sydney? I think it was November last year. We we did our first proper interstate. We went down to Melbourne and we played. Um, yeah, no, we played in Bendigo. We played in yeah. Bendigo. That's yeah. right. Yeah, for at the the Music Man down there, and that was our first real experience, which was a crazy eight hour drive. Through, yeah, I think it was three <laughs> different like ridiculous storms that nearly blew us off the road. But you know, we got there. We we happened to buy this five hundred dollar car, and it was uh, it was missing a wheel nut, and it was a bit shaky no, was, on the way. It was, it was missing like three fucking wheel nuts. <laughs> I told them it was only one at the start of the drive, so they were a bit calmer for the drive. It's like was children; it, you don't want to startle them. Was it all on the same fucking wheel? Or? Yeah, it was all on oh, the same yeah. wheel. Yeah. Shit! No, hey, we made it back in one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car went after that though. Yeah. <laughs> just a ceremonial burning. We scrapped it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so we've we've done a few, but nothing Queensland way. We've got another Melbourne show in September, so I think it's three or four weeks away from now. We're heading back down there. Awesome. But yeah. Well, speaking of touring and uh, playing shows, and speaking of Wartooth, Wartooth played at uh, Death Tour But Metal once. Uh, but you guys played the Def Tour but Metal a whole bunch of times. Yeah, a few times, yeah. I wish uh, I could remember how many times. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did you find the experience of playing for our shows? Really do, good. Do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, hazy memories from <laughs> the, those debauched <laughs> evenings? If you want the hazy memories, yeah. I feel like Phil <laughs> should hands You ask me and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're only asking because we don't remember either. Yeah. 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 Uh, we've always had a blast playing with you guys, man. Like, uh, as I've told you guys before, it, ever since me and Josh turned up to your guys' shows, we're like, we need to play with these guys. <laughs> and uh, I mean... I heard some interesting stories about the first time that you came to Death Tour but Metal. Yeah. Uh, oh, outside I of... I uh, talking about. Uh, outside, you weren't performing, but you were there as a, as a punter. Yep. I think that was the second ever Death Tour but Metal live show right, as right. well. So that would have been like November 2015? I think roughly that's second ever would that have been a Halloween so. party yeah uh, that was yeah, a Halloween yeah, yeah. that's right I, then mm. I know exactly what you're talking about and you're referring to my meeting experience with Perko from Thrash Bandicoot uh, there you go yeah. I <laughs> have not actually heard this story alright so. So, so I'd seen Perko play in a band called the Dirty Headbangers which is an earlier incarnation of Thrash Bandicoot and that was a good few months beforehand. It would have been Bangs and Thrash 2015, actually. Right, right. And, yeah, I, I sort of saw him wandering around, and I was like, oh, man, I know you. And he's like, oh, I don't know you. And I was like, are you playing this band, Dirty Headbangers? Turns out they'd broken up at the time. Yeah, and, right. you know, we sort of got talking, and I have no idea how it led to this, but Perko suggested we punch each other in the face for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. <laughs> he punched me in the face, I punched him in the face, we laughed, and then had a beer, and... Oh, it's one of the most metal things I've ever experienced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to see security didn't kick you out or anything. Yeah, That's no, excellent. no, I think we got lucky with that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you enjoyed the show? Yes, yes, saw Necrostalgia play. That's right. Oh, shit, that's right. And they did the best cover of Duhast I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, man. Mm. What's what's coming up for Reva? Um, Well, we've actually got a few things in the work. um, We're 
we've got a new EP on the way. I'm not going to give away too much details because there's other people involved that can't be named at the moment. Sure. But keep an eye out. There's something coming in the next few few months, probably by the end of the year. Yeah. Excellent. We're going to hear. Are we going to hear some new songs? Are we going to hear ones from your live sets or? Um. I'll give you this much. You're going to hear one new song from us. Nice. I can't tell you much more about what's going on with the EP just yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's bring it back a little bit to the the latest EP, the self-titled one. Uh, do you want to talk about um, uh, uh, Mandatory Oblivion and uh, Ice Queen a little bit? Like how those songs came about? Uh, well, we're going to start with Ice Queen because it's oh, my yeah, favorite yeah. story. Just get this out of the way. But Phil's got to tell it because he's the reason this story happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so long story short, you know, ma- maintaining anonymity of people who may not wish to be named. Sure. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, yeah, okay. So p- the person me and Josh knew for many years had a few issues, you know, things happen. And, um, yeah, we ended up sort of... Seeing this person, you know, sort of off in the distance, debated whether it was said person or not. And I was sick at the time. So I just sort of started coughing my guts up at, you know, trying to clear phlegm and shit. And suddenly this person's turned around and started yelling at me and accusing me all sorts of shit. <laughs> and yeah, like saying, basically saying my coughing was mocking said person and all of this. So me and Josh went home and wrote Ice Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally where it's not my fault I'm fucking sick comes from. Uh, <laughs> wow. So for all you people wondering, we don't think we're a bunch of mad cunts. Oh, I had a serious fucking uh, <laughs> at the time and it wasn't my fault. So, <laughs> so the Real. line, the, the, big, the big sing-along line yep. for, for you guys, it's not my fault I'm fucking sick, came from you actually being sick. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. One, one more question about uh, Ice Queen. Are you going to do like a poppy, like kind of Lady Gaga? Gaga remix called uh, Yas Queen. Yas Queen. Oh, I'll leave that up to Daniel. He seems <laughs> like the Yas Queen of the band, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had to keep him away from doing other Lady Gaga-esque stuff in the past. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, we've all seen too much of his meat too. Uh, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, we've seen him backstage at DTABM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, and, Daniel. Uh, well, what was it? Uh, mandatory Oblivion as well. Um. Yeah, Mandatory Oblivion, Oblivion, sorry, was um just a song we wrote about day-to-day life. We we fucking sick of sitting around seeing people just miserable and unhappy with their existence, going to work. And then just... why did you come here? Well, because it makes us <laughs> slightly happier than our miserable existence. Yeah. Wow, it must be pretty bad out there. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's just Campbelltown. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we just we we wrote it as in the sense that at the end of the day we're all gonna die. That's our mandatory oblivion. We just want to be happy while we're here. <laughs> uh, and that's why we love you guys. We've got so much in common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of, it sort of came from, so, you know, you can really apply like what people's biggest fears are. Like you, you can, it's sort of a loose connotation to basically that concept of everyone's got a different idea of what like their biggest sort of fear is. And at the end of the day, it really boils down to dying. Everyone's, you know, they don't want to meet that end. Mm. And it could be, it's different for everyone. That's, yeah. that's why we didn't really put any clear meaning into that. Well, look, this uh, this interview Thank is kind of like in two sections. So we've got the interview portion, which we'll, we'll kind of bring to a close uh, for now. Uh, before we do, though, 
Uh, where can people get your EP? Is it just at the shows at the moment or is it online? So we have our EP up on Google Play, iTunes and Spotify at the moment. We've recently got a Bandcamp up and running. So if you want to go on Bandcamp, find it there. Also, our YouTube page has been stocked with live footage and some of the EP stuff. All of yeah. it, actually. All of it. We'll be sure to put all the links up on the on the um, uh, the, the podcast episodes so awesome. people can find you guys uh so let's uh say bring the interview to a close for episode 29 uh if you're listening to the episode 29 we're gonna do a little bonus part which will be a bonus episode later on down the track Mm -hmm. where we play some games with zach and phil should be interesting let's say bye to the the full-length episode for now and um, bye full-length episode it's been really swell tane and i will be back oh i'll be i'll still be here yeah yeah. after deaf to all but facts deaf to all but facts the recent heartwarming story of two pensioners escaping a nursing home to attend the Vakan open air festival has ended on a sour note After realizing they had caught the wrong men, the local police force have now issued an apology saying that they hope that fans of both Danzig and Angry Anderson can forgive them for detaining the two and the string of cancelled tour dates following the incident. Okay, listeners, uh, we have a little bit of a new segment for you, kind of. It's kind of like a segment we've been trying to do for a while... Uh, and we never kind of got around to it. Yeah, we've been threatening it to our, to ourselves, but I don't think we've even mentioned it to <laughs> I don't, you guys. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but uh, basically we wanted to have a segment where we talk about overlooked uh, old school uh, stuff. Classic heavy metal, really. Like Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So things that maybe didn't get quite the attention they deserved and kind of do a deep dive into some albums situation occurred recently where we wanted to not just look at one album we wanted to look at the entire discography and uh history of a band uh so i don't know what are we going to call this uh segment heavy metal history yeah heavy metal histories something like that yeah pretty basic yeah um what about like uh does what it says on the label the origin of steel Ooh. sure feel the steel feel it no that's a different thing that's that's that was in your dvd collection when we started looking at uh, look look, look well it's not important <laughs> um <laughs> uh so look the the band in question regardless of the segment title <laughs> the the band in question uh for, for this segment uh is manila road uh, uh, who seem to have gone under the radar for quite a few people. Yeah, yeah, uh, myself included, honestly, but I'm sure a lot of you guys too. Uh, they're a heavy metal band that uh, formed in 1977 with uh, Mark the Shark Shelton, uh, Benny Monkeys, uh, Rick Fisher, uh, Robert and Scott Park were all in the original formation of the band that would go on to have many many lineup changes throughout the years <laughs> yeah definitely uh they're a band that yeah that just seemed to fly under the radar for some reason and i have no idea why it, it's very interesting especially bearing in mind how um especially you know we're going to be focusing a lot on mark shelton because he was 
you know, the, the main songwriter. He was the guy that kept it going over the years. He was the only constant member over the years as yes. well. And Mark was a very hardworking guy. Like, when he started, like, so his, um, uh, from the research I've done, his mother was a professor of music as well. Uh, she taught uh, composition. So he uh, learned how to play piano and took vocal lessons from the age of six. So very, very young. He was even in the school choir, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Until he, he hit puberty and then he couldn't do the choir boy stuff. Yeah, anymore. totally. But I mean, like, you know, like a lot of people sort of... Uh, like early 60s like he he sort of got swept up in the british invasion stuff his first band was a beatles cover band he also did a lot of like he played jazz uh as well and uh he even had some country rock bands i think he still had one of those until recent years as well so he was he was a very busy guy before manila road even happened in 77 sure and uh mark is really the reason why we're doing this segment because uh recently uh he actually passed away at the age of 60 uh he had just played a gig with manila road at a, a festival in germany it was uh headbangers open air festival headbangers open yeah. air so he passed away only on the 27th of july this year yeah so very recent it was yeah. the, the day after they played i, I believe yeah they were still in germany yeah so there was a there was a GoFundMe which I believe is still open. Yeah, uh, right. The, the, to have his body transported from Germany back to America, so he could uh, be looked after. I say it's still open, but they hit their tar- they exceeded their target within about three days, which is fantastic, um, and just goes to show how many people obviously care about this guy and, and how much he's sort of um, inspired them. Totally. Uh, and Tane will attest to this. I, I was saying, I've been saying for ages, we've been talking about doing those obscure albums and that. And every time that came up, I was like, Manila Road, we have to do Manila Road. Let's do a segment on Manila Road. Yep. Is that correct? It's true. It's <laughs> very, very true. This has always been the starting point for this segment. So, so here we are. Yeah. And um, so, Tane, you, you heard about them first through me, is that right? Well, there were a band that I'd seen the name of for many years, and it was, um, I've got to say I'm really guilty of just leaving them on the I'll check them out sooner or later pile. Sure. But the thing was, I, I didn't realize that they were still going so and, and releasing so regularly as well. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we covered the last release, uh, To Kill a King, on the podcast when it came out. Yeah. I think that was last year. Yeah, that was right? last year. Yeah, because that was on your top list, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Of course. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, I mean, I, I that was the first album that I I was really uh, familiar with, ironically also their last one, right? Uh, which is a shame, a real shame. So I've sort of been working backwards. I've been going in the wrong order. Uh, but Gary, you started, uh, well, you started in Stranger Circumstances because you heard about them not not through the band themselves, but through another band. Through, through a song. Yes. Uh, well, the first album that I heard was Mystification, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but the, the reason that I listened to them was because of a lyric in a Dark Throne song uh, sung by Fenris, and I'll just play it for you guys right now. I made my own code, sold my soul to Manila Road, but I'm not I don't give a fuck. Ooh, I was raised on rock. Anyway, when I heard Fenris 
say I sold my soul to Manila Road, the name just really stood out to me. It's a name that uh, apparently Mark uh, came up with when he was drinking with, I think uh, with it ben. was, with Benny. Yeah, yeah. I think they were drinking together watching Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> and they thought Manila Road was an excellent name for a band. They thought it meant the road to light. The road of light. The road of light. what it meant. But it's, uh... Something like that. Anyway. Erroneously. <laughs> the name really stood out when I heard it in that Dark Throne song. So Fenris, uh, I had spoken to him once before to get a playlist for the Death Talk Up Metal Club. I, I sent him an email saying, if you are a DJ at a metal club, what's, what's a playlist that you would play? And so he graciously sent me a playlist and we played it it was very successful people loved it and uh i haven't really i haven't spoken to him since and then when this manila the idea of this manila road thing came about i was like i have to ask fenris if he wanted to say anything about it Mm, mm. uh so i asked him if he wanted to jump on skype and talk to us about manila road uh to which he replied a blaze in the northern skype uh but he also politely declined because he wants to keep a low profile i didn't want to he didn't want to come on and do an interview or anything at, at, at this time yeah fair enough uh so i asked him for a written statement uh and in response well i got this <coughs> we this is uh Riss, uh for uh, the podcast talking about uh, Manila Road and um, I discovered them um, probably in the middle of the 80s maybe 86 I was going through some used uh, records and I found this bands like they were on the label that uh, Cattlemass was on so I figured hmm looks interesting <laughs> looks very epic and the guys looked like they belonged in the 70s which was interesting and um, the Drumming was so cool from Randy Thrasher Fox. Uh, and the album in question was the uh, Open the Gates with the uh, bonus 12 on it. Um, later on, I got the Deluge and then I got uh, from Wild Rags because I didn't have any distribution in Norway. I got the uh, Crystal Logic, uh, which was uh, <laughs> sounding fantastic on vinyl. Uh, so it sort of followed me through like my thrash years and death metal years and uh, initial uh, getting into steering into the black metal vein. Uh, of course, I've I'd heard all the the styles before, but when we started doing black metal, it was more like retro. Anyway, far ahead in time. We decided to go like freestyle, like we were in the beginning, and then we did the song called "Race on Rock," where I <laughs> uh, really uh, laid emphasis on the uh, importance of Manila Road in my life. And hearing about Mark Shelton now was horrible. I'm I'm really glad that the fundraising for uh, getting his body back to the states worked out in like three days. I was one of the participants there. Um, um, what more is there to say? Uh, I mean, the more important thing is to just listen to their music, no? 
Yeah. Uh, it's too true what Fenris says about uh, the music uh, speaking for itself, even though we are going to talk about Manila Road some more. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I will uh, edit in some of their music in the background underneath us talking, so you'll hear about the albums that we discuss. Uh, but I guess we should um, start from the start and um, yeah, take yeah. it from there. Well, uh, do you, do you want to introduce our dear listeners to the beginning of the catalog well the, the the very first album i mean the band started in 77 but uh they didn't record anything until or they didn't release anything until uh, 1980 uh and this was a self-produced uh record called invasion and um look it's a little rough around the edges it's not really the sound you think of when you hear the later Manila Road albums? No, but I think the framework is still very much there. There was like, definitely there was definitely a spark or something. You could definitely tell that uh, these guys were young and they weren't perhaps uh, totally on top of recording and and self-releasing their stuff. But you could tell there was just that something special there from from that point uh from there they went to record another album i believe it was called mark of the beast Mm -hmm. that was in 81 but mark wasn't too happy with it he didn't think it was heavy enough he wanted to go for something a little heavier uh, which led to the release of the album metal i mean it pretty much does what it says on the label. Yeah, no, but like, uh, you know, back then, not everyone had already done that, so... That's true. Was... <laughs> I mean, someone, someone's got to release now and just go metal. It, it's true that, like, uh, it, it definitely set the tone for, for being sort of like one step ahead of the pack, actually, honestly, which is a pattern that I'll talk about a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, metal, they were starting to get a little bit of exposure at that point. A little bit. It wasn't until they bought out a Crystal Logic. Yeah. Where they really just kind of firmed their sound. Uh, it's the first album that really sounds like Manila Root, if that makes any sense. I mean, they were all Manila Root albums, but that was the album that just really captured... I think what Mark was looking to to do, mm. uh, because he he did s- stick with a very s- similar kind of sound for the next few albums, but uh, Crystal Logic, man, just that album is excellent. The drumming, uh, like like Fenris mentioned. Uh, oh no, he he said that about um at the, uh, the gate. Open the gates. Open the gates. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that, that is very much a, a classic album uh, for a lot of people. Uh, I think pr- probably one of the most well-known ones of the catalog, and it it is a massive catalog as well. Like, sure, the the song Necropolis, which I've probably got playing in the background right now, <laughs> uh, is probably the most well-known Manila Road song, or the one that you hear about the most. Yeah, uh, yeah, when you hear the name Manila Road, if you hear it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, they really started to come into their own then, and then they just had—you could say—they had a deluge of albums. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, so Deluge, uh, at least from from uh, my reading, that was when they really started getting a bit more uh, attention from 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 fans, I suppose. And it's, it's looked at now as one of their sort of hallmark ones alongside Open the Gates, definitely. Sure, so between 85 and 87, they released uh, Open the Gates, The Deluge, and Mystification. So it was an album a year at this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I mentioned before, Mystification was the first album that I heard mm. by Manila Road. Mm. And holy shit. Like, it's amazing. And all the albums from that period... Deluge being a little bit more of a thrashy kind of album, I guess. Uh, they, they all, like all the albums had elements of thrash in there. They had elements of everything that are like more like Nawabami kind of traditional metal mm. sound. Uh, what would uh, later become known as like Viking metal, mm. uh, definitely thrash and speed metal uh, elements in there. Uh, and the cool thing about them was there were a lot of literary references in there, a lot of uh, themes and concepts to do with high fantasy, with Vikings, with uh, uh, just general mythology from all over the place from yeah. poems from books from from everywhere yeah i mean there, there was a lot of like yeah classic mythology inspiration a lot of the as you say norse pantheons but also like uh just like european um kind of just european mythology in general but also like that sort of like early 20th century pulp fiction so like obviously hp lovecraft robert e howard is is Obviously, a very Definitely. big inspiration for Mark, I think, in particular. Um, was it Robert E. Howard that uh, inspired uh, Gates of Fire? Yes, yeah, yeah. So that uh, the 2005 album, Gates of Fire, there, there was a lot of that. But there were references earlier on than that as well. Maybe a little more fleeting rather than being uh, part of a, a, a sort of album trilogy section uh, like that album. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, so those albums, that was when uh, most fans would say that Manila Road were at the top of their game, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. I I like their later albums as well, but I have a, sp- a soft spot for these albums because, one, there are a lot of excellent music. There's a lot of excellent music on there, but two, that's also where I got into them as well after Fenrir's... Uh, gave me the word about them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Inadvertently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then uh, they released a an, an live album called Roadkill. Uh, and then two more albums, Out of the Abyss, which is an excellent album. Yep. And The Courts of Chaos, another, some excellent tracks on there. And uh, Manila Road kind of broke up after that. There were a, a few tensions within the band. and um, Yeah. They kind of stopped making music. Uh, Mark kept on going. Yes. He he formed a band called uh, Circus Maximus. Yeah. Uh, and he tried to release some stuff as Circus Maximus. And what happened there? You you, you know the the story surrounding this, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, like even though I was like I've only been a relatively new uh, fan. <laughs> this is this has been a great excuse to really deep dive for myself and I've just been sort of really 
uh, soaking it all up, and there is sure. so much history. But when when the Circus Maximus uh, was recorded, so Mark had been playing with these guys for a little bit already. Um, there, as as Gary says, there were tensions between the drummer and bass player apparently, uh, to the point where it just kind of stopped. And so so Mark started doing this in the meantime. He wanted to release this album as the project being called the Circus Maximus, but unfortunately their label were not keen on that. They didn't think it was going to sell copies. They yeah, that would people would recognize who who it was in the band. So they, they, they were trying to put the Manila Road label on it. Yeah, and it's um it's it's strange because that's something that was repeated later in their um uh, in their life as well as a band, <laughs> which is kind of strange. So while technically Manila Road actually had 20 albums, 20 albums, which is insane, over 37 years. Sure, that's including live albums and stuff, right? Yeah, true, but a, a lot of those were, were kind of like later releases, sometimes maybe not willing releases of the band, like the Circus Maximus not really being the Manila Road catalogue. Sure, Mark of the Beast as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean... The Circus Maximus was in 1992. The last uh, proper Manila Road album was 1990's The Court of Chaos. Sure, and, and I think uh, uh, Mark still played a little bit here and there, but he kind of stopped with music for quite a while after Manila Road broke up and after yeah. doing a little bit of stuff with Circus Maximus. Well, reading a couple of interviews uh, with Mark, it looks like at that time he kind of just took that as a sign to... Like he just had uh, a couple of kids, so he was like, "Well, gonna raise these kids yeah, now." Like, yeah, yeah, and all of this stuff happens. And um, but apparently, for quite a while, I mean, when you think about it historically, 1990 is kind of that period where grunge was killing a whole lot of stuff in the yeah. states. 92, not a great time still to be I, doing something like that. I think, I think Manila Road. If anyone was gonna bring it back, though, Manila Road could have helped bring it back. You know? Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. And, and you know, well, they. Well, let's let's kind of skip over the the hiatus and let's get back into the discography. Yeah. So when. Uh, after um, after the Circus Maximus in 92, the first real proper return to to Manila Road form was uh, 2001's Atlantis Rising. Fucking excellent album. It's, a, it's an amazing album. The thing that really stunned me was, you know, I was kind of uh, concentrating from the Circus Maximus onwards, but I made sure I listened back to that 1990 stuff just because it's like, you know, context. interesting... Yeah, yeah, context. And it is an interesting point in history because we're starting to get like... A lot more digital stuff in recordings. Uh, people were doing some weird things at that point in metal history, and then you know, ten years later, with a little bit of breathing space to look back, uh, I mean, there were there were definitely changes. I, I did find that the Court of Chaos is probably probably one of the weaker albums in in a pretty stellar catalogue. There are some fucking excellent tracks on there. Though. There are, yeah, like, and that's, I was kind of reluctant to say that because if there's one thing that I've really learned from looking through all of these, the consistency in this band is just absolutely flooring. Like, and 2001, that was a kind of weird time as well, like, because we've got new metal stuff, we've got a whole lot of weird crossover shit and rap stuff and whatever the fuck else is happening, and then, like, Manila Road come out and release something that's 
about the lost continent of Atlantis, re-emerging <laughs> with the resulting war between the Aesir, one of the, you know, like, groups of the Nordic gods. Nordic and then gods, the, yes. Yeah, and then the great old ones, the Lovecraftian mythos, combining. Cthulhu coming in and fucking, fucking shit up. In 2001, that was not a done thing, you know? Like, it's, and it's something that has definitely happened a lot more, like, especially in more recent years, the, the re-emergence of Cthulhu in, in really brutal metal is a... I'm gonna say, though... Mark and Manila Road always kind of did their own thing. They, mm. they didn't follow any trends. They never sold out. They never released a really bad album. No. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, even, like you said, Courts of Chaos, you said it might be a weaker of their albums. Yeah. The, the, that last track, uh, what is it called? Uh, I've got it right here. The Book of Skelos, I think it is. Oh, yeah, right, right. Excellent. Eight minute long track, uh, broken into three parts. It's fucking. Yeah, totally. It, it, like I said, like I was reluctant to say that it was a bad album. I just felt like it was a weaker album. As weaker a whole. compared to the rest of the disc. Yeah, like they did do like a little bit of like. I wouldn't say there's like much electronic stuff in there, but some of the keys are a little bit cheesy, a little bit midi, yeah, like, which is it. something that the rest of the catalog doesn't really suffer from. Sure. But, um... Anyway, we're, we're, we're still on Atlantis Rising. We've got so much to cover. Yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> true. So, I mean, like, uh, at that point, people were starting to, to sort of pay attention a little bit more as well. Well, again, because they'd been on hiatus for... Yeah, and, and the idea was, when they actually released Atlantis Rising, it was going to be... That was going to be another side project. It was never going to be Manila Road. It was actually... Um, Mark had started playing with a couple of other guys. They were just calling the project Shark, his, his nickname. Right. But, again, when they were talking about releasing the album, everyone was saying, we want to hear from Manila Road, we want to hear Manila Road do this, we want to see Manila Road's name on it. I, I think even the other band members were saying, this is, this sounds like Manila Road. Yeah, totally, Why totally. don't you call it Manila Road? And Mark was like, alright, it's yeah, Manila Road. I mean, he, he definitely states again, like he did in some of those earlier ones, that he was after something heavier. And it's like, it's funny seeing that kind of through the years. It's funny because the, like the later period stuff, there's a lot more ballady and kind of acoustic things in oh, there. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, it's um, I mean to to sort of quickly go over that early two thousands period. I mean, we had Atlantis Rising, we had Spiral Castle, which was kind of more of the same, but sort of solidifying it a bit more. Sure. Uh, then though, we had Mark of the Beast, which was released in two thousand and two. But this is one that you were talking about, Gary, that was actually originally recorded in 1981. That yeah. was going to be the second album. Back uh, right before he, before they recorded Metal, yes. uh, they recorded Mark of the Beast, and Mark wasn't happy with uh, the, the lack of heaviness. It was more of a, like a prog rock kind of album. Yeah, kind of. Listening. I mean, there was definitely some heaviness to it, I thought. But, uh... Well, I thought that this was interesting enough. You said some of the more ballady things coming through, mm -hmm. and that he started writing more, possibly after revisiting this. But I mean, I found on this album, like um, the track Avatar, uh, which is like massive, like 13-minute track. It's actually one of the few like really long tracks that they've they've done to that level. Um, and it's it's fucking beautiful. It's really cool. And something that that maybe I think he experimented with a bit more was that I, I don't like using the term softer because the the ballads that they do are not soft it's more like that very Robert E. Howard like lone 
hero waiting at the end of his life kind of thing. It's sure. epic. It's really fucking epic. And that sure. that definitely became more of a thing in uh, in the 2005 album as well. Uh, Gates of Fire, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so, uh, as Gary said as well about... Um, well, uh, well, let's move on to Gates of Fire and Voyager. I'm going to kind of lump them into one thing. Yeah, it's, very, it's move it's, us along a little bit. It's, but, uh, yeah, it's easy to really go on about these, but... But, but also, I, I kind of found them not necessarily thematically similar, but kind of. Uh, but also, like, uh, sonically kind of quite similar as well. Yeah. Uh, after... After uh, Mystification, uh, Gates of Fire was the next album that I heard by Manila Road, uh, which fucking blew me away because it was so different. Yeah, definitely. And this this is like... But still had those hallmarks of Manila Road as well. Yeah, know. totally. Well, this is the point where, where bands like um, Amon Amath are starting to, to get some traction in different parts of yeah. the world. And, and Viking metal is becoming a thing. Yeah. At the same time... Uh, Manila Road did something so different with it like totally. you listen to these tracks it's not like it's so far removed from that but it's fucking Viking metal it's it actually is reminiscent the, the ballads are reminiscent of Bathory style stuff I was definitely going to mention Bathory I knew you'd <laughs> beat me to the punch so. yeah totally and, and I, I mean I kind of feel like uh, when did the first Bathory album count Oh, no, that was 80... what? 80, oh, fuck. I think it was like 84, 83, 84. Let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. They they came out, uh, Bathory came out around that time. And sure, uh, they weren't really doing the Viking stuff from the beginning there. But I think Cawthorn uh, uh, owed, owed a lot of debt to... Mark Shelton and Manila Road. Oh, most definitely. Like, and and Manila Road would have been very known back then as well. Like, I that. mean, I mean, you know, Bathory had their own slant on it, and they did their own thing with it. And I'm not saying they were ripping anyone off or anything like that, but the, I, I, I feel like Manila Road would probably have been an influence on that. No doubt at all in my mind, and. Uh, it, that that's something that's really cool and, and something that really cemented them as still relevant. You know, being a band after 10 years, coming back and doing that, and then doing stuff that was like kind of inspired by people that they inspired 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's um it's really beautiful and and I think the fact that they are or they have been so relevant without being these these like highly sung, highly praised heroes. Sure. I, I think the 2005-2008 stuff really cemented that. Oh man, those two albums are excellent. Yeah. Uh, they had a few more albums after that. Playground of the Damned and mm-hmm. Mysterium. I'm going to be honest, I haven't listened to those ones quite as much as I have the others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from memory, there's a lot of good stuff on there. The When I really started to get back into the Manila Road stuff was The Blessed Curse in 2015. Yeah, fuck, man. That is a killer album, actually. I fucking love that album. I love the cover. I love everything about it. You know, just yeah. Mark Shelton, his voice, the, the playing on that album, just everything. I think, um, like, there, there was really only, like, a couple of years between releases max from Gates of Fire onwards. But something that kind of happened over that period is that Mark's vocals like really started to mature quite a lot and they changed. Where you compare his really early stuff and he's got like maybe like a like a cleaner tone and a certain range. He really did um, 
like someone pointed this out to me, so this isn't my words, but uh, they pointed out that he kind of comes across like like an old goat, like an old goatee, which is like a like a sort of man of counsel in Iceland or or like uh, you know I guess old Scandinavian like pre-Christian to Christian society, and he is like this this guy just telling this tale. He is that image. Uh, and, and and both in The Blessed Curse and To Kill a King in particular. To Kill a King, another excellent album. It was their last album, unfortunately. Yeah. Would have loved to have seen what they'd done next, you know. Yeah. If Mark was still around. I know, and, and hearing hearing tracks like... Uh, maybe like from like Never Again from To Kill a King, uh, in particular some of those, those acoustic ones... Uh, that was so fucking metal. That was so fucking metal. And that's a really hard thing to pull off on acoustic tracks. It was a fucking good album to finish on. Hey, oh, like... totally. It's like Bad Magic by Motorhead. And, like, uh, you, you go over all these great artists who finished it on a high note. Like David Bowie, for yeah, example. Totally. I know it's not metal. Sorry, listeners. But... Uh, Bowie was metal. But fucking Blackstar. Like, what a... What a fucking album to go out on, you know? And he, he knew he was going out, but I think the thing is that really um, made it kind of cool, I guess, is that in latter years, people had kind of referred to Mark Shelton as the king anyway. Like, just like, just reading articles, reading comments, reading people talking about him in reviews, like, they, they just call him, like, the king. And then it's like To Kill a King being the last album. It's like something. Fuck. Like, something to it, right? Yeah. So, look, let's wrap it up. We've been going on for far too long, although we could spend another fucking hour talking about Manila Road, I think. Yeah. Uh, we could just, like, listen to some Manila Road and get drunk. Sure. Like, well, I'll say some final words. I'll see if you've got some stuff to say, and then we'll <laughs> play a, a tiny little bit of uh, Manila Road. Uh, if we're breaching any copyright stuff, I'll gladly pay to play Manila Road on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but look, the, the last thing I want to say is that um, I, I don't know why they just never got the same attention as your Metallicas or your or your Judas Priests or any of those bands. They had such a diverse catalogue, like I mentioned earlier, they never really put a foot wrong. Yeah. Like, every album was fucking immaculate. Uh, the musicianship on all, every album was excellent. Mm, mm. Uh, like, Mark definitely surrounded himself with excellent musicians at all times. Manila Road, around them, the, the term epic metal was coined. Totally, yeah, and and there's a good reason for it. I think Manila Road sounded like what the people who spray painted the side of vans in the '70s wanted their art to look like. <laughs> they sounded like that and more. Like you listen to those albums, and they take you on a fucking journey. Yeah, uh, high fantasy, fucking epic is the only word really to describe it oh totally add that add mark shelton's voice to that Mm. which was so unique and so such a yeah such a unique uh addition to the the realm of metal Mm. they're worth your time they have a huge discography to jump into 
And um, yeah, don't be intimidated by that. That's something that I was, and I, I wish, I wish I just dived in because you can't really like take a wrong step. I think. Yeah. If if you're gonna start anywhere, I'd say start within that open the gates to mystification kind of period. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a, it's solid a good entry choice. point. Or yeah. even crystal logic is a good entry point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just really explore. You can't really go wrong. Just every al- album is excellent. Mm. Tain, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. As someone who kind of did it ass backwards. Like, I really did start with the very last release. Like most things in life. Yeah. <laughs> I started with the very last... You're right. Started with the last one. Worked backwards. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things didn't click, but I mean, any band that's got 20 albums, you, you're going to be pretty rare to, to like every single one of them. Sure. But I, I think, like, from from the points where you're, you're hearing, like, an older Mark being that kind of character... To, to hearing like his his really like primal fucking guitar work on something like the Deluge, like with the title track, the solo in that, like holy fucking shit, that really blew me away. I think I listened to it like five times in a row when I first <laughs> heard it. Um, so that's that's been on regular rotation. But I mean, great catalog, great career. Um, Manila Road, we salute you. Up the hammers. Yep. Yep. Here's to Manila Road. Cheers. Cheers. Dearest listeners, that has been a fucking episode of the Death to <laughs> Metal podcast. Uh, we haven't, uh, by at this point in recording, we haven't recorded the Reva interview yet. <laughs> and I'm just guessing that it's going to go for long. Yeah. I'm and it's going like... to be hard to edit. And so we're just going to have this huge episode by this point <laughs> drinks are going to be hard it's going to be the first time we've caught up with the reaver boys for a long time and there's a lot to talk about with them but look reaver always quality i mean manila road we couldn't go past talking about manila road definitely there's no way i was going to let that happen yeah but uh speaking of manila road and that segment that's the first time that we've done that segment yeah it's true and uh two things that we want to ask you guys if there's an awesome name for the segment Hey, Let yeah, us know. if you got a name, look, no one's going to get in touch with us. Yeah. No. But just in case you're bored and you want to waste a few seconds of your life and you thought of an excellent pun. Yeah. Contact pun. us. Uh, Puns bla- are encouraged. It could be Blaze in the Northern uh, Skype. That, that. Uh, <laughs> thanks <laughs> to really thanks that. to Fenris. Or it could be uh, when, uh, when Fenris emailed that to me, I replied with the cult is online. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yep, it could yep. be one of those. Who knows? That's, that's Probably true. Blazing Northern Skype is the better of the two. I reckon that's just a great interview segment <laughs> title, though. That's, that's what we have to save that for, if we're going to use it for anything, I reckon. But, um, yeah, let us know. And let us know if there are any bands that you think are overlooked that 
haven't gotten the attention they deserve that should be uh on on the podcast for us to deep dive into like we just did with manila road sure um then then let us know we want to hear from from our dave balfours we want to hear I, from <laughs> i know shit was about the words that were about to come out of my mouth were that dave balfour we're looking at you <laughs> But we, we, we know we have listeners who, who we would love to hear from on this as well. So and, please write and, in. And Dave, if you want to come on and talk about these obscure albums that you're fucking... Maybe that should be a regular segment where we get Dave in and to talk about obscure albums that he fucking loves that well, no one's look, heard of. I was saying um, a lot of our listeners that know Dave Balfour, he's, he's appeared on the podcast as well. He's a, a Sydney metal stalwart. And let me just say, this idea is being copyrighted right now yeah. as we put it <laughs> let's, online. <laughs> let, let's get that out of the way. But I was suggesting when, uh, when he was showing uh, recent photos of part of his collection... After he'd been moving. Yeah, and there's a lot. Yeah, there's a fucking lot. And a lot of it wasn't pictured, but I was saying to him, it would be fucking awesome if he if he did interview stuff and had like a... He can be like the Australian metal John Peel where he does... Like he gets bands in and then they get to pick something from his collection to play because I want to fucking go and look through his collection. Well, firstly, I want to have a regular segment with him on talking about his collection mm. and then have him splinter off and do his own podcast uh, where he talks about it. <laughs> what, but, where we hold the copyright is. but again yeah <laughs> copyright you owe us money if you're going to if you're stop pressing stop right now and going to listen to Dave Balfour's podcast you owe us money please send a money order to uh, behind the hot water pipes uh, there's uh, no money in metal in Australia <laughs> we're just joshing yeah we just want the fucking good word to be spread yes very true very true and um uh, that's about it. I don't think there's anything else to mention. Uh, uh, the Plague, uh, they've got some new stuff in the works. They're a death metal band from Sydney. Definitely worth your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go check them out. I feel like there was supposed to be someone else that I was supposed to mention, but I've forgotten. Michael, Michael Luders. Michael Luders, uh, yes. Yeah. He's got um, a Metal United Down Under coming up. Yep. The, the Sydney show for Metal United Down Under is going to be at the Tattersalls, I believe. Tattersalls in Penrith. In yep. Penrith. So. That's right. And that's on the 22nd of September in 2018. If you're listening in the future, don't go to the Tattersalls. Or, or maybe do. Or maybe listen to our, uh, our episodes on time. And you'll have like <laughs> a few weeks notice. Yeah, where yeah. where have you been? Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't fucking hurt. We've would been it? waiting for you all night. The dinner's ruined. It's in the oven, yeah. and it's just a, a burnt husk. Yeah, I'm crying because my my roast is ruined. Well, what's new about that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> look, that's been an episode. You've been a listener. Uh, all listeners. We've been a talker. Yeah, talker. we've been a couple of talkers. We've been a couple of talkers. You've been a couple of listeners. Uh, so thanks for listening again I've been Gary Grimm and I am Tane and we will see you next time bye bye also thanks Fenris yeah. thank you so much Jesus fucking Christ again Fenris. and again thank and again thank you so much okay see ya
but a situation occurred recently where we didn't just want to focus on one album, we wanted to kind of... Tiny dick. He likes big chips. Yeah. <laughs> A recent study has shown that black and death metal bands fuck. Black and death metal bands fuck. 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 Recent black metal fuck. Metal singles in your area. Do you get this when you listen to stuff on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like two videos in. It no like metalhead singles. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes a a wildly presumptuous. Uh, statement by I don't saying know. you're probably single. I don't know how that algorithm works. It must be faulty. Because <laughs> you don't listen to metal. You listen to Yawning Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're different ads that come up then. That's a Ugh. flashlight. Because no no one has any hope of dating anyone. But... Have you been considering euthanasia? Surely you have after listening to Yawning Man. Well, have we got a deal for you? I thought that, I thought that was a life lover ad. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Or The Shining. <sighs> it's well. kind of funny too because his later period stuff, they're a lot more kind of ballady and acoustic kind of songs in yeah. there. Yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> but I just I just spilled. <laughs> It's it's not the first time <laughs> you frothed all over me. It's it's okay. Sorry. That's let's, let's take it again. <laughs> what were we up to? Uh, 